Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. As always, I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and I'm joined by Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. Rob, you're packing your bags to head to the U.S. Grand Prix this weekend. How are you feeling? Adam, great to be back as always. It's been a, a few days since um, our last show for Qatar. Super excited to be down in Austin tomorrow, uh, flight tomorrow evening out of New York. So four or five hours in the air is not too bad, um, but looking forward to being there throughout the weekend. Uh, you know, Austin's a city with so much energy as it is. So you add F1 to the mix and it, it's going to make for a super stellar weekend. So I'm, I'm super pumped. That's wonderful. And for those of you that are heading to Texas for the race, do be sure to check out our friends at FanAmp. They're hosting two really great events on Saturday, and all of the details are posted in their socials, and we'll share them too. So let's get started and kick off our show for this week. We have a lot to discuss because Qatar was a very strange race, and we'll break down what it means, not only in the context of the future of Formula One this season, but also for fantasy. Coda is a big race for us as well, because I think a lot of you, like Rob and I, are preparing to use chips this weekend. So we'll talk you through which chips to use and then which drivers to make the most of those chips. As always, we'll get into our FanAmp picks of the week. There are three picks this week because it's a sprint weekend. We'll get into our lineup choices. And then lastly, we'll talk about the fifth gear GARMS giveaway of this week. And it's been something that's that's rolled on for the last few weeks and have been very, very successful. And if you win that contest, you get $50 toward fifthgearagarms.com and the chance to rename either my or Rob's team. But last week, we had two winners that got to change our team names. So do a little drum roll here. Yeah, so we had CX Kev who um, won the... Was it the, did he, no, no, he, he won um, the spin. We obviously, and Adam will get into it on the next slide, but we had a back-to-back, -back, you know, what are the chances of that happening? But uh, we rolled again, we spun again. Um, and we, yeah, my, my team name was, was renamed. Adam's um, is also renamed. So we wanted to, to keep it as fair as possible to make sure that uh, obviously both winners were uh, able to, to contribute. So congratulations to CX Kev and to our pseudo winner, Robbie, and we really appreciate the new team names. So if you want your chance to rename our team and win that $50 to fifth gear GARMS, enter our contest today, and we're going to give you those details at the end of the show. In the meantime, I'm rocking a fifth gear GARM shirt tonight. This is the Williams Golf livery, and I'm in mourning a bit because they only brought it out for three races. We're not going to see it in Austin this weekend. So carrying that spirit with me into this weekend. Okay, now on to the Qatar Grand Prix review. So this new track surface was going to cause us some issues going into the weekend, but I don't think we nearly anticipated the number of issues we saw from the drivers. Those new curbs, the new surface, it led to track limit penalties, the likes of which we haven't seen in several weeks. No, it was it was crazy, honestly. The number of kind of unexpected outcomes across the entire weekend in qualifying, as you uh, as as you can see for Lando here, then in the sprint shootout for Lewis, time penalties across the board in all all of the major sessions of the weekend. So 
it was chaotic, not just for, for us fantasy strategists, but for viewers as well, as, as you say, getting to grips with all of the new or maybe temporary regulations around the the 18 lap maximum tire stint, I think, which particularly uh, was interesting just with how hard all of the drivers would go, go, yeah, if I can get my words out, how hard all of the drivers were going from start to finish, particularly in the Grand Prix, made it for a very interesting spectacle. And Another weird wrinkle was this free practice 1.5 on Saturday. They were trying to figure out exactly how much damage the curbs were doing. They gave the drivers this brief free practice session to try to see how things were going to fare. And that was really the driving factor to the 18 lap stint maximum on the tire. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things we hadn't seen before. And then penalties, the likes of which we hadn't seen in months. You know, we had... Leclerc exceeding track limits four times on the last lap of the sprint. So he dropped some places, three five-second penalties for both Perez and Gasly. And we're going to unpack that a bit more later on when we talk about this week's race. Overall, though, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me, as we look ahead into next season, go into this race with very low expectations, have some of those buffer chips ready, maybe something like an autopilot or a no-negative even despite the sprint weekend, just because we're not sure if this track is going to settle its issues in time. Although I think between the heat and the track limit issues, a lot of folks are calling for change here. Yeah, particularly around the the welfare of the drivers. I think that was one of the main headlines that came out of the weekend, particularly on the dehydration and going back to that 18 lap maximum tire stint, the drivers just are pushing hard out for those 18 laps. They get a new set. They do it all again. So they're pretty much doing like two or three sprints within one full race. It's not obviously going to be that easy for any driver. You throw in the heat and, you know, Albon that was unwell in the medical center after the race, there was reports of Stroll fainting in the car and then um, Ocon was throwing up in his helmet, not to mention Sergeant retiring as well. So a lot of concern around driver welfare in that race. I really hope they can not just implement policies and procedures to manage that better next year, but not to mention the time of the year. I mean, October is um, it's hot year round in Qatar, but there was calls for that to be pushed to later in the calendar because of how hot the temperature was. And we saw that with the Football World Cup last year as well. So I just wonder what that kind of looks like um, next year as well. Well, luckily for 2024, we have the regionalization. So I think Qatar is going to be moved later in the calendar or way up, whatever it is to to help buffer some of those those weather conditions. Mm -hmm. Now, there were two drivers that we spent most of race week comparing before Qatar, and they were impacted by track limit penalties throughout the weekend. And that's Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz. Perez came into that race P2 in both the drivers and fantasy standings. Meanwhile, Sainz had outscored Perez in four straight races. It turns out you picked one of them, I picked the other, and everyone loses. Yeah, it was probably the biggest decision for strategists heading into Qatar. I mean, it's a driver on form versus a driver in an excellent car. That's just not in form at all. And you know, everyone loses, yes. I lost by 11 more points, but I still technically won because in my case, which we'll go to in a minute, you know, Sainz um, and Sonoda was my combination. I think I just dodged a bullet with Sargent, to be quite honest. So that's a win in my books. But it is kind of frustrating regardless of who you own because of Perez's um, 
incident in the sprint race. He was knocked out in Q2, as you can see here on the screen. And then look, for me, I own signs. So I was like, I'm in the box seat. I'm sitting pretty. I wasn't going to jinx it or anything like that. But just so happens that he ends up with a fuel issue, you know, a couple of hours before the race. And, you know, we had a similar incident with Stroll a few weeks ago where he was also a DNS. But um, as you pointed out on X, um, it was around the the regulations within, I think it was a two two hour window or so of this the grid being confirmed. That's right. I was going to nerd out for a second, so it's Article forty two point four of the sporting regulations. So two and a half hours before the formation lap, they're going to lock that grid order. So we saw Signs' mechanics working on his car in the pre show, well after that timeline. So Signs was given a grid spot. He didn't show up for it. And so that's where the DNS penalty came from. In the case of Stroll, he was unwell after a crash in qualifying the day before in Singapore. He probably woke up that morning and they knew instantly that he wasn't going to race. So they called him out well before that deadline. They were able to fill in the grid spot that, that was vacated by Stroll. And so we didn't get the penalty. So for those of you wondering why science got it and Stroll didn't, that was a big part of why. Okay, well, I think we could, that segues quite nicely in, in the topic of DNSs into Logan Sargent, obviously, who, if we're dissecting the budget drivers, he, he came away with, you know, was it minus 35, if I'm not mistaken, on the next slide, and he at minus 34, and you know, that's a, a record low in fantasy, uh, the fantasy landscape. He was on the, you know, coming off the back of another DNF, the previous race and to do that in both of the sessions the sprint and and the grand prix obviously not great for his owners but the nine percent that still uh own him in fantasy it's it's not a pretty sight uh, obviously a very different story for the overtake merchant it was a great weekend for alfa romeo and with signs and perez either struggling or not participating in the grand prix that opened up two places in the top 10 that allowed Botas at P8 and Joe at P9 to sneak right in. And you can see 19 points for Joe, 15 for Botas, 39 for Alpha. Those are all season highs for them. So really terrific weekend from a team that I don't think we totally expected to be this good at this track. So great weekend for Alpha and their fans. Yeah, yeah, particularly someone like Bottas. I mean, the story for Joe throughout the season has been excellent, but yeah, he's been a non-factor throughout the entire season. It was his best fantasy performance this year with 15 points, a pretty good result, but he, you know, with the exception of Bahrain and Australia, has really been a non-factor for the most part um, in fantasy terms. So a great return for him, um, not just fantasy-wise, but obviously gives him some confidence um, featuring in the points once again. Absolutely. And so Rob and I didn't pick either Joe or Sargent, but let's look into who we ran as our budget driver and just see how the rest of our teams fared in Qatar. So as you can see here, I had Perez, he had signs, so it was a net 11-point gain for me this week. You can see, too, there's 20 points between Rob and I on the season, and 2,100 global ranking positions. So really just a single move, one bad break can separate you thousands of positions in the global rankings. That's why all of these decisions are so important as we move ahead. 
Yeah, it goes to show that you know how important those decisions um, are. I know there's obviously with any fantasy game some degree of luck, but you know only a matter of weeks ago you were twenty points behind me, and that swing um, has has really obviously pushed you on the cusp of the top five thousand, whereas I'm languishing down in seven point three. So a tale of two different fantasy teams the last couple of weeks, and um, I mean that budget as well. I think you've got me slightly. You got slightly more budget than I do, which. Um, can sometimes be the difference between a DNF and a, a budget driver haul. For sure. And as we think about what are some ways we can crack into the top 5,000 and make these little gains, my mind goes straight to chips. And that's a great segue into our preview for the US Grand Prix this weekend. So like many of you, Rob and I are down to our last few chips. We both have the limitless. We've already used our 3X. And we're trying to think of when we should be using it. And as we've been preaching all year, the best time to use those chips are sprint weekends. There's only two left here in Interlagos in three weeks. So if we were to use the 3X chip, I think Max is a really safe bet for that. But who gets the 2X? I think for regular budgets, Lando Norris is on three straight podium finishes. And like Rob mentioned a moment ago, Signs is just having a great run of form. He had a race win, a third place finish. And he was looking for another great weekend in Qatar had it not been for the fuel leak issue. So those are two really good contenders for the 2X chip as well. Yeah, definitely. I think the, I guess, one of the considerations for limit, uh, for, for extra DRS apologies is, you know, you have to be confident in in um, the one that you assign the two times point multiplier. And I think Max for everyone is obviously a no brainer because of how dominant he's been. I think, you know, Sainz and Norris, as you mentioned, are probably the two standout candidates for me. Um, you know, McLaren have emerged over the last or in the second half of the season as a force to be reckoned with. Ferrari are kind of kind of there or thereabouts. But I think what is most interesting to me is potentially George Russell this week as an option. I know he's probably not quite on the fantasy radar for a lot of people because of the fact that you're just maybe not getting the same explosive fantasy output that you might get from a Lando Norris or a Carlos Sainz at that price point. But I think the upgrades that Mercedes are going to bring, there's reports that it's going to be an update to the floor. Um, they're confident that it'll shed a few kind of tenths off, off the pace of that car. Um, and obviously the Mercedes looked quite promising um, in qualifying at Qatar last week, Lewis and George, uh, both you know P2 and P3 heading into the Grand Prix. And I think they would have certainly been on course for a podium had it not been that first lap incident. So I think those two drivers, Sainz and Norris, are deserving of the two times, but don't rule out um, George Russell too. As a Merck fan, I'm very optimistic about those upgrades this weekend. And James Allison has said that this is a... a indication of how their progress of 2024 development is going so if it goes poorly could be a harbinger of things to come for next year too so i'm really hoping it goes well for them and when we talk about drivers who i wouldn't give the 2x chip to this week and i wouldn't put them on my limitless team either that's sergio perez and the graph you see on the screen here are the mean lap times from qatar i've circled perez because he logged the ninth fastest lap time in the same machinery as the guy who won the race. He's 80 seconds behind Verstappen in the same car, and he's logging times behind both Alpines. He finished the race after both Alphas. Clearly, Perez has something going on right now, and until I see one or two get-right races, 
I can't quite trust him in that spot. No, you, you just can't. Um, it's all about consistency and fantasy. And even though Signs had that DNS last week, he is consistent. He's one of the informed drivers at the moment. And so he is a very easy swap for a lot of people on Perez. Um, Russell, another option too, for sure. But I mean, if we're looking at the limitless chip, I think, and I mean, between you and I, we can certainly dissect all the different combinations we want to get into. But just because Perez is not doing well and is well out of form, um, the speculation around his race seat next season, although I don't think he'll be booted um, before the end of next year, I still think the Red Bull constructor is a no-brainer because when Max does win or get close to the top of the, I guess, close to the top step, the Red Bull constructor is still bringing at a minimum 40 or 50 points per race in, which just about beats every other constructor unless we saw in Qatar where McLaren gets a double podium and they're north of 100 points. So it's it's hard for to, to part ways with the Red Bull constructor in any week, let alone on a limitless, limitless week, because if Perez does finish the race, doesn't even need to be in the top five. They're still going to get 80 points. So Pretty easy decision, um, Red Bull wise for for the limitless chip. And while we're talking about who else would put on our limitless teams, I'll give you some recent history at this track that that has helped me form my first limitless team um, layout. So we know Verstappen; he's absolutely killing it this year. Keep him in your lineups. Hamilton, though, is on three straight P two finishes at Coda. And what's really impressive is that 2022 finish, the W13 was just getting over the porpoising issues. It was really slow as a result. Hamilton's still stuck at P2 in that race. So regardless of how the floor issues go, I think Hamilton could be on for a really good race this week. Leclerc has finished either third or fourth here in his last three races. So he loves this track. Signs took pole in 2022 at Coda before getting yeeted by George Russell on the apex at turn one. So that ended his day early, but in the six races before that at Coda, Sainz has finished between P6 and P8. So consistently getting points in inferior cars before uh, Ferrari. And then lastly, Lando, he's only raced here three times previously, all those races finishing between P6 and P8. So there are a lot of drivers that are performing well right now with good, strong histories at Coda. So those are some of the the early front runners to make my team this week. Fully agree. Uh, we can get into a bit more of a spirited debate when we dissect our preliminary lineups later in the show. But I think, um, yeah, all the, I guess, all the key parts of a, of a limitless team you've, you've touched on really nicely. So I'm, I'm very optimistic on a number of those drivers this weekend. And if they look anything like what we know they're capable of in that one 60-minute practice session on Friday, then... It won't take much for me to knee-jerk and uh, pull the trigger on Limitless. But I think that segues quite nicely into the recent history for overtakes on the screen here. Um, overtakes per race in last year's race, United States, the second most of all of all circuits on the calendar. So I think that bodes quite nicely for, for Joe and Sonoda. Magnuson, is, um, I'll have to be honest with you, up until... Today, I didn't actually realize Kevin Magnuson had really entered the overtake conversation. Uh, I was doing a bit of research myself and saw he was among the the, the overtake kings as we've got here on the screen. Um, obviously, Perez and Piastri aside because of the fact they've started further back um, at various points this season. But is there anyone that stands out to you as as uh, as probably among these three and other drivers, the probably the premium overtake asset to own? 
when in doubt, let's go with Joe. And I know it's difficult for teams like yours and mine because you can't afford a, a signs and Joe. You have to go to Sonoda. If you have that bigger budget or if you can make a sacrifice somewhere else, this seems like a track where he's going to deliver. And on social media, someone referred to his moves on track as Jover taking, and I've officially stolen it. So expect some Jover takes this week from the Alfa Romeo driver. And th there's some other things I wanted to bring up from the history of this race. There have only been three DNFs in the last three races at Coda, so it's a fairly safe track. There's not a lot of mayhem. Last year, we had Botas beach himself early on in that race. And then there was that collision between Stroll and Alonzo. I don't know if you remember it, but it was the one where Alonzo went up on Blue. two wheels yeah. and somehow managed to finish. I think it was like P6 in that race and then ended up knocking Stroll out. So pretty, pretty tranquil course over the last few years. Yeah, I think with those wide runoff areas, you've got that serpentine through sector one. It's it's obviously a circuit designed not just for the visual spectacle, but for pure racing as well. And I think those deliberate widenings of those corners for more racing lines is going to work in favor of some of these guys on screen here and maybe some of the other drivers further up the pack as well. It might give more opportunity in those higher speed corners for McLaren to attack the Red Bull. So I'm really excited for this race. I think there's going to be a lot of action um, on track. And um, yeah, to, to your point, uh, really anything could happen with DNFs or or overtakes. So I'm, I'm super excited. I think um, it's, it's going to be a good one. And speak, speaking of... Uh, favorite circuits on the calendar. Daniel Ricciardo is back in the fantasy landscape. So he obviously replaces Liam Lawson. He's you know making his second return to the 4A after his broken hand. What What's your take on him for this race? Well, this starts as a public service announcement that if you have Liam Lawson on your teams, get him out because we learned the hard way that Ricciardo and Lawson, even though they're in the same car, they have different driver cards. So he's not just going to roll over. For Danny Rick, I wonder if he's going to need some time just to warm up before he he starts contending the way he did when he was back on the grid. I'm just really excited to see him. I think these next few days are going to be really fun for F1 fans. He's inevitably going to wear the cowboy hat again. He might grow out the crazy facial hair. Who knows where we'll see him popping up on TV here in the States. So I'm just excited to have that personality back on the grid for sure. If the biggest question that I have is what price is he going to return to the game at? So we're filming this show on Tuesday night. And as of now, he's not back in the player pool, but my F1 fantasy HQ test team has kept him the whole time. And so that card's showing as inactive and it's showing his driver price at 4.5 million. So if he comes back to the game cheaper than Sargent, then all of a sudden he's, a steal week in week out. He could provide some interesting roster flexibility for the last few races. Yeah, I think you make a good point. It, it would be interesting to see him suddenly come back in at 4.5. I, I do have some skepticism of that actually happening though. And I would happily be corrected once we see his player card back in the game. But I think to to benchmark kind of what we've seen so far, he came in at DeVries' price of 4.5. I don't think at that point he'd seen much, if any, price change throughout the season. But if 4.5 is the entry-level price for someone in the game, which is essentially where he exited, then 
um, that's going to be a steal, um, probably the, the best steal in the game if he's able to get back to his level of performance we know he's capable of. I am of the school of thought right now that he slots in at, at Liam Lawson's price at 5.9 million. But again, um, that's just based on how he was assigned you know, a number of weeks ago now. So wait and see. Don't make any rash moves and just stay tuned in the lead up to the deadline what F1 Fantasy ultimately decide to do with him. Sounds good. And we'll be keeping an eye out all week and we'll report back as soon as Danny is available for us to substitute into our teams. Let's look ahead at the weather for this weekend. And I'm thrilled to see more sun. So we don't have to worry about rain, tire strategy for wets and enters. It's going to be another sunny day. And for those of you keeping track of the temperatures, these are trending roughly 10 to 12 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than what we saw in Qatar. So not the coolest day in the world, but also something that'll be a little bit more refreshing compared to that, that grueling race two weeks ago. I mean, I don't know what you define as refreshing, but I'll be out there on the Friday and the Sunday, definitely um, Saturday tentative and 35 degrees Celsius, 95 degrees Fahrenheit at the track is not pleasant at all. I'm, I'm more of a sub 28 Celsius um, kind of sub 80, 85 Fahrenheit kind of guy. So I think that um, my obvious gripes with temperature aside could create some tire deg issues. I don't think it'll be quite as prominent as perhaps it would have been in Qatar, but we were also dealing with a number of other factors at that point too. So I think something to keep an eye on, but great that we're seeing another race uh, with clean weather across the weekend. It also means um, it segues, I guess, quite nicely into, well, we won't cover it just now, but what that means for the chip usage and I guess the confidence one can have with limitless and extra DRS. But before we get into that, let's take a look at our fan amp picks of the week. So I think what we've got here, um, really interesting, uh, a couple of ones we've got here, I think for qualifying that one, and you can submit these on the fan amp app. So um, be sure to do so. Um, lots of amazing prizes on offer for people who participate in that. But I think Qualifying for me really stands out um, as far as what we've got here on the screen, which teammate has the better qualifying between Ricardo and Sonoda. Who's your pick this week, Adam? So I'm sticking with the theme that Ricardo's going to need some time to warm up. And let's be reasonable. He has FP1 to get acclimated to the car, and then it's qualifying. So do I think Ricardo's going to figure it out in an hour? Give me Yuki on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident in Sonoda on this one too. I, I would love to see Danny pull out a performance for the ages at his second home. But I just think, as you say, coming back from a broken wrist in a car for only 60 minutes, um, he is, um, you know, certainly from a fantasy perspective, a wait and see for another couple of weeks at the very least. But I think um, Sonoda should certainly outshine him in, in the qualifying on Friday. And then how many overtakes will there be in the sprint? Rob, I'll let you take a stab at this one first. Okay. I think for me, my initial thoughts are based on what we've already talked about. It is a, a much wider circuit, a lot of opportunity for, for drivers to make those passes. Um, not even, not even on those sharper turns, but you know, on straights or those kind of high speed sections of the track. So uh, I would like to say 20 or more in a sprint race, but I just don't think there's enough laps in it to be able to make that realistic. Um, we'd probably have to see 
a change in the elements like we did in the Netherlands to see something like that eventually. But I don't think that's going to happen based on the forecast we just looked at. So I'm going to go 10 to 19, hopefully the higher end for a bit of high octane excitement. I'm going to go with 10 to 19 as well. I think the big differentiator here is that we're probably not going to see any pit stops in the race. Usually you'll have drivers taking a differential strategy, get some fresh tires, climb up the grid and make some of those overtakes with everybody on the same set of tires from start to finish. Mm. I think you'll see some overtakes on track because it's such an amenable track for it. But I don't think you'll see as much, you know, someone takes a, a new set of tires, drops to P15 and they're climbing up 9, 10 grid slots. It, it's not going to quite be like that. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and then that, um, obviously, moving on to the Sunday, the question we have for the Grand Prix is how many laps will Carlos Sainz complete? I think we could be three from three agreeing on this one. But before you give me your answer, um, do you think Carlos Sainz will have any kind of DNS? Because we are talking about the Grand Prix for this question, but do you think he's going to put that DNS behind him and escape the sprint and the and the Grand Prix unscathed? I think if it's a matter of have they fixed the car to the point where it will finish the race without having another failure, I think that's the biggest question at this point. I think he'll avoid accidents and mistakes, although there are a lot of places to beat yourself at this track. I'm going to go with no DNFs. He's going to finish the whole race. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same school of thought there. I think he will definitely look to bounce back after last week's disappointment. He obviously also had P1 in qualifying um, last year, so he can take that with confidence heading into the race, um, knowing, I mean, can take that into qualifying and hopefully can translate that performance to a, a start close to the front of the grid. Um, and I think for me as well, uh, he will be in my team or I will have an aspect of Carlos Sainz in my team one way or another if I do go with Limitless or if I don't. So for the sake of my team, I'm going to have to say the full race uh, as well. And I do love Carlos Sainz as a driver, so it would just be great to see him do well this weekend given I'm also rocking the Ferrari. I like it. Speaking of your team, let's check out your team. All right. So you can see we are both preliminarily going with the limitless chip with the exact same driver lineup. You can see that we've selected these drivers based on some of that recent history at Coda, their recent run of form. I think it's a really safe lineup, but also you don't have Piastri who's been on the podium quite frequently lately. So it's the one area I worry about, but also... If I don't make any more changes, uh, I worry about not getting the most out of Limitless. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I think um, we're pretty aligned on our driver lineup for the most part. Piastri is probably the one kind of wild card, I suppose, because he could do excellent at Circuit of the Americas. I think there's a lot of characteristics in this track that will work in favor of the McLaren, um, certainly through sectors one and two. So, you know, we all we need to see is a, a, another really strong performance from the McLaren boys and that, that McLaren constructor could easily come away with another plus 100 point outing. For me personally, I've opted for Mercedes at this point in time. I'm pretty optimistic about these Mercedes upgrades on the floor specifically, if that's what's reported is true. 
Um, and I guess the logic behind what my team looks like, I cover this in my um, race week preview video, which will be out uh, on Wednesday, it's currently Tuesday, is a couple of different kind of builds how I want to approach my limitless chip if I was to use it. And I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well, Adam. But I suppose how I've structured my team here is to get, I guess, adequate coverage of the three teams in Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull. McLaren, I could could obviously consider this too, which I mean, you've done um, on your side. But I think for me, I want to get, you know, because of there's going to be an inherent DNF risk at every circuit, regardless of the fact that this one might have, you know, runoff areas or overtaking zones. I want to get at least two Mercedes assets or in this case, you're almost getting three because you're getting double Lewis and George, get two Ferrari assets and double Red Bull, and then Lando, you know, hopefully he can put in another really good performance. So I, I'm reluctant to triple up on Ferrari or Mercedes unless we see from one of those teams a really explosive first practice. So I think kind of hedging my bets, going double Mercedes assets, double Ferrari, double Red Bull does enough to kind of cover the, most of the bases there. For me... I took a slightly different angle by putting McLaren in as my second constructor. I'm covering off if Piastri can find himself above the Ferraris and one or more Mercedes. Also, McLaren set an all-time record for fastest pit stop last week. So I do have a little buffer if I'm wrong on how the drivers finish, but they get a couple of fastest pit stops. I could buffer some of the points that way. And interestingly, Mercedes hasn't received the single fastest pit stop bonus all season. Despite having a really efficient team, they seem to always get the setups right. It's that one piece they can never finish mm. in the top three on. The thing I worry about the most, even though I know this team might have a lower ceiling, is I looked at the last four sprint races, the difference between the number one and number three constructor. The difference was 53 points in Azerbaijan, 42 points in Austria, 37 points in Belgium, 57 points last time out in Qatar. So getting it wrong could be a humongous swing mm. in the rankings. And so by picking McLaren, it's a constructor that a lot of the top strategists are running with that don't have a chip. So if I'm wrong, I bet you a lot of the field's going down with me. So that was a part of the, the decision from McLaren there. Yeah, look, I think that's a really sound approach. Um, and it is another way of hedging your bets for sure. I think for me, the reason, the rationale behind going with what I've currently got on the screen, again, it could be instead of Signs and Mercedes, George Russell and Ferrari, is that I'm trying to use this limitless chip and maximize the upside it has. I know you can certainly hedge your bets a little bit and cover, you know, Piastri. Um, but I am trying to, I'm not, I mean, chasing rank, I'm not exactly 50,000 or lower than that, but I would still like to angle for 1K uh, by the end of the season. And I think to do that, I need to be a little bit more aggressive with my lineup selections. So that's kind of where my head's at. And I guess another reason I've, I'd want to go for Mercedes or Ferrari in that second slot is that my current team setup, if I didn't go limitless, would be Max Verstappen, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz, and Red Bull already. So I'm really going, if I went with your team, it's Hamilton and Leclerc versus Piastri and Sonoda. Obviously, you'd expect Hamilton and Leclerc to outscore Piastri and Sonoda, but is a limitless chip worth that to just, you know, if, if it's only a 20-point 
30 point swing between Hamilton and Leclerc versus Piastri and, and Sonoda, I'm not sure if it's really worth it in my opinion. So that's kind of why I want to be a little bit more differential um, with the limitless chip this week if I do use it. That's a really fair point. And that's the the one angle that is making me consider pulling the ripcord on it this week is that I, I'm very close to not even having much value out of the chip to begin with. So if Leclerc and Hamilton don't look as good as Piastri and I'm basically just putting one person in for a, uh, a budget driver, mm-hmm. then what's the point? Let's just defer it to Brazil. It's yeah. another high overtake race. Mercedes more likely to do well there. So I'm keeping a close eye on this. And yeah. as, as we get closer to it, I think I'm going to overreact to FP1 and then really stare at the sim data that Albert Fabregas posts um, usually on Thursdays. So with those two pieces of data in hand, uh, I'll likely make some wild decisions. Yeah, I think it's going to be very easy to knee-jerk drivers into our team on Limitless or not if we suddenly see some surprises in that 60-minute practice session that Friday afternoon. So I know it is, and we said at the start of the show, you know, be comfortable with only one practice session's worth of data because that's all you get on a sprint race weekend. And if you are comfortable with it, then a limitless or a chip like extra DRS even just just go right ahead with it because that's about as much in conjunction with the other resources you've just mentioned or we really have at that point in time. So, you know, if if Lewis and George or Leclerc and and Carlos somehow end and up at the top of the timing charts um, i'm not even going to think twice about it to be honest fantastic and as a mercedes fan i would rather you be right and mercedes finish one two and my team take a big old tank because of it i i'd rather have that than a better fantasy week for me no oh, well I, I i wish i had the same heart overhead but i think fantasy i've i've, I've subdued myself to so much ferrari pain over the years that i'm i'm not going to uh ask for the world on my limitless chip <laughs> but I like it yeah i think that um just just on the topic of team selection and preliminary lineup choices i think now is a great time just to remind everyone of of the contests um, that we have every week we recently in our last deadline stream did a segment around uh i guess friends in our fan amp base dropping in their lineup selections we would review them live on screen uh, on the stream so if you're on fan amp or you haven't yet joined fan amp be sure to do so submit your lineups to adam and i and we can review them in real time on the deadline stream give you real-time feedback um, and you can obviously make your decision then um, but i think just on that before we get into the last section um, of of tonight's show i won't be at this point joining the deadline stream because i will be at circuit of the americas so adam's going to obviously steer the ship as he always does um but do you want to kind of add a bit more to to that obviously sure so with rob missing in action this week we had to find someone to fill those big shoes those big uh beer stained shoes from the shoey last time so we're bringing back pot pan man himself and Tom is joining me again this Friday. I think it's going to be a great show because the last time Tom joined me was another race where where chips were flying all over the place, and Tom had a really big churn over how to use it. I think this time he'll be using his 3X chip and talking me through my concerns with Limitless. So be sure to check it out. Send your lineups into us through the FanAmp base, and also be sure 
to answer our contest question this week, which was up just a moment ago, which Haas driver is going to score the most points this week? And for me, you saw a clue up a little while ago. There's so many overtakes on the table. KMAG is really good at securing those sneaky overtakes, even though his final result isn't that great. I'm going to go with KMAG scoring the most points this week. Rob, what about you? Yeah, I think um, Qatar, a great omen for him. It was his best fantasy performance of the season with 23 points. Uh, just, just, I mean, didn't even edge out his next best result, which was also a sprint race weekend in Azerbaijan with 16. But, you know, he has really come onto the scene recently as one of the overtake merchants, not to steal Joe's crown or title. But um, I think that's really exciting, particularly with those Haas upgrades that's Gunter Steiner has alluded to. I think they're looking at running uh, running through some potential modifications to the car that hopefully well, may well take a couple of races to um, improve, I guess, what they currently have. But they're also looking forward into 2024 with, I guess, a b adjacent um, adjustment. So I'm really excited to see what that kind of means for not just K-Mag, but also Nico Hulkenberg, because he's obviously been a driver that's really suffered um, on race day. So I, um, look, I'm going to say for the sake of being different, given we agreed on all three of those questions earlier, Nico Hulkenberg, I think, you know, you, you, you essentially splitting hairs. They've both been, you know, solid drivers this season, but Hulk, all he needs to do um, is finish, you know, or qualify, you know, in his usual kind of P8, P9. And if that car can maintain a bit more race pace through these upgrades, then he's in for a decent shot at finishing in the points. So I'm going to go uh, the German sensation. Fantastic. Good luck to both Haas drivers. I really like the U.S. flag Haas livery that they rolled out for this week. So I hope they both do well. That's all for our show this week. Good luck in your fantasy endeavors this weekend, everybody. I hope to see you all this Friday. Send us your lineups. Send us your answers to the weekly contest. And Rob, safe travels down to Austin. Thanks, Adam. Really excited. It'll be a great weekend. Shame I'm missing the deadline stream, uh, which is actually at a reasonable hour for a change after the, you know a couple of ones we've had in the past. So yeah, really looking forward to that. And we'll be sure to you know, dissect everything from that when uh, we reconnect for Mexico. Sounds good. We'll be right back here next week. See you all then. See you guys.